0: Transfer news!
1: <claps> Unlikely!
0: I, hey, that's not what I wrote.
1: I don't really care. We're going with it now.
0: All right! Soccer Today New Rocket America! Soccer New Rocket America! Featuring Pursuit New Talking about soccer lots! Hi, welcome to Soccer Noob Rocket America, episode 82, and yes, as you may or may not be able to understand me scouting in the background, featuring Person that is my 10-year-old daughter and co-host, greet the good people, darling Hello! Every single week, we scour all of the men's FIFA leagues on the globe and tournaments, plus a ton of stuff on the women's side as well looking for the most intriguing matches from around the globe. That means many previews of matches from great big countries and tournaments, clubs, sometimes smaller ones, though, too. If it's important where it's being played and the stakes are high, pretty good chance we're looking at it. This week, we're going to be traveling globe, covering matches from Saturday the 7th through Thursday the 12th of May. Uh, Some other things to look forward to. We will be learning uh, sort of what to do in Cary, North Carolina this weekend if footy attendance isn't for you. Yeah, it's as weird as it sounds. Plus, you're going to get not just one, but two sandwich related bits and who doesn't like sandwiches one from me and one from daughter dearest and now you know so all right football time here comes match number one fitting that we start our quote-unquote rocking america with the most important mls match to date yes saturday match number one we have number one in the West, LAFC taking on number one in the East, Philadelphia Union. Here's how each of the conference tables look. Out West, LAFC lead Austin by two. Meanwhile, in the Eastern Conference, Philadelphia, they've got a one-point lead on New York Rebels and Orlando. So uh, things it's early, obviously. They're maybe a quarter of the way or so through the season. So things are still very close. The very recent series between these two, LAFC, have had the best of it with a 1-2-0 and record. Uh, you can catch this online, ESPN+, Plus at 11 o'clock, Eastern Time Saturday night. As always, we will start off talking about the hosts first. LAFC, 2019. They had the best record in the whole league, that earned them the Supporters Shield and qualified them for the Concacaf Champions League. And they finished as runners up in that. That was the best that had happened in a very long time until this year. Congratulations to Seattle Sounders, by the way, on being the first uh, MLS side uh, to win that uh, this century. In fact, I think uh, I think American based teams had only won it twice before. In fact, in any case, last year, uh, this team didn't go to the CCL because they didn't even make the domestic playoffs. They only finished number nine in the West. This year, obviously looking much better. The offense, no surprise. This is what they hang their hat on. They are second best in the conference in that regard. Uh, They and one other team are scoring over uh, two goals per match, and nobody else is particularly close right now. They've also got a top four defense, allowing less than one goal per match on average. That's all good for the second best overall goal differential. They are going to be competing, I believe, if their defense can stay this good because that's usually their bugaboo. Uh, They're going to be uh, vying for that number one spot in the West all season long. And the reason that's so important, if you're not familiar with the format uh, for the playoffs, is that the Western and Eastern Conference each send seven teams. Only the winners get buys uh, through to the quarterfinals. So it's very important to finish number one. Key players to look for in this particular match. I still believe that their best player is uh, their Spanish center back, Ilie Sanchez. I think he's most important because the defense is just – Again, it's been so bad in the past. Now they finally seem to be having that shored up. Uh, This is a guy with a little bit of European pedigree. Uh, He played for Barcelona over in, well, not in La Liga technically, because he was with their B squad. And then later on he played with, uh, I believe, more of a yo-yo club in Elche. But in any case, still a pretty good club, top two league in the world. Uh, He spent the last, uh, not the last four years, but the four years, Before he came over to this club, he was with Sporting Kansas City. As far as some of his uh, strengths and weaknesses, well, he doesn't get a lot of clearances, to be perfectly honest. This is a guy who relies uh, more on his speed than his physicality, I think. But he is excellent with intercepting the ball. And then he's very good at starting counterattacks. Very solid passing rate. And I shouldn't say he's entirely unphysical. His uh, tackle rate actually is pretty decent as well. Uh, if there's any position to look for as a weak link for this team, oddly enough, it might be at the striker position. Now, perfect to be perfectly fair, this may not be really where they look to cook. On offense Nevertheless statistically the weak link Had been Danny Masavki, their striker But they have now loaned him out To Division 2, a USL championship Las Vegas lights So the man they've got playing there Now is Christian uh, Arango, a Colombian striker Uh, He's gotten two goals in his last Three matches, so uh, Definitely cooking, as I mentioned before A little bit of a European pedigree And yet not really, he was with Benfica For a couple of years over in Portugal, one of their big three, but didn't make any appearances. Uh, He really needs to improve his shooting accuracy, to be perfectly honest. Although, as long as he can get goals at all, they probably don't mind too much if it takes several shots. And he is a very good dribbler, somebody surprising uh, for that position as well. So I still wonder if maybe even as a striker, they won't be using him to play uh, back to the goal and setting up other players. Team's current form: They have won four straight matches, and now coming to town, the Philadelphia Union. Two thousand twenty, they won the Supporters Shield. Twenty twenty one, they made the Concacaf Champions League semifinals. Last year, very strong season. They finished in second place in the East. Made the conference finals in the playoffs. The offense is where I don't want to say they're hurting, but it's definitely their weaker point. Uh, They're uh, only really barely playoff caliber, probably in that particular regard. They rely very heavily on their defense, and they are number one in the East in that regard. They've only allowed six goals in nine matches. Uh, Their superstar and tied for number third this year in clean sheets, goalkeeper Andre Blake, their superstar Jamaican. Uh, This has been his only professional club he's ever played for, been here since 2014. And he's got over 60 national team caps down in Jamaica But I believe overall their best or maybe second most important player Might be another guy on defense, very, very young A 21-year-old right back named Nathan Harriel. His interceptions and his clearances have both been very high And that's got to be relieving a lot of pressure off the goalkeeper position Now, if they've got a weakness Who do I think it's going to be or what position anyway? I think it's going to be the same as LAFC. Uh, Corey Burke, they've got a Jamaican striker veteran 30 years old. He's only got two goals on the season. Uh, Basically looking at his profile and having seen him play, he looks like a poacher who is just not getting a lot of service or a lot of action. So it might not really be that it is his fault necessarily per se, but at the very least the offense isn't revolving around him. And I think more likely they just need more production from the position, quite frankly. Their form, slacking a little bit. 0-2, we won the last three. The problem has been their typical one in years past. They have conceded four goals in the last three matches. Match number B. Number B. Oh, yes, still and always using it in place of that grotesque number two. That should only be used for one thing, and even that shouldn't probably be talked about too terribly often, if at all, in public. So, let's watch in action. Match number B. And for us, the B is Benin, this particular episode, the African country, where the top flight is called the Championnat National. Now, I hope you enjoy this. We really pride ourselves on flying around the world all the time, covering matches from everywhere. But, to be perfectly honest, this episode, just like last week, we're going to be very CONCACAF region and uh, very European oriented. This is going to be one of your few or maybe your only shots at uh, getting anything from any other confederation. But they've got a great race going there. I'll tell you a little bit about it. Uh, first of all, the league, the Championnat national, it's rated number 28 in uh, Africa, which pretty much puts it right about average. They have got the biggest league I've ever seen in their uh, regular season. They have four divisions of nine teams each, 36 teams. Now, the top four from each of those make the championship round, and then there's also a relegation round. And they play a, a double round robin or close to – or a, no, I'm sorry, a single round robin or close to it. It's very strange because this is going to be the 13th match week, and yet nearly as I can tell from all sources, this is going to be the last match. So it's like they're not quite completing a round robin. Even if I'm mistaken on that, this is still a really important ra- match in the region. There are so many teams that are so close. We're going to act as if this is the last match of it. Now, your matchup is number B, Buffles B-U-F-F-L-E-S. I believe that would be uh, the French pronunciation. Taking on number three, Dynamo uh, Abomey A-B-O-M-E-Y. Uh, Buffles currently lead Abomey uh, by seven on goal differential. They are tied on points. The two of them trail leaders, Koton, Sport, WIDA, by just two points. So the title is still very much up for grabs. But not only that, the second-place team gets to go to the uh, secondary tournament in Africa for clubs, which is the Confederations Cup, and there are at least two more teams mathematically, and that's if this is just the last match as opposed to there being three more, that could catch them all just this weekend. Oh, and by the way, one final note, um, it's a little bit unlikely that the title is going to ride on this. I don't want to downplay the States, but uh, uh, CSO, the leaders from uh, UIDA, Katone Sport, they play the number 18 and they are hosting to Jepha. So I think of the odds of an upset there are fairly slim, but nevertheless, that's why they play the games. Buffals they play out of the city of Perico. Paracau, It ends in K-O-U. Not sure there. In any event, I do know it is the largest city in the northern half of the country, and it's just barely in the northern half. So all the population apparently is pretty much south as you get down towards the coast. Oh, it's a city of probably just over 200,000 people. It's been famous for a number of things economically over the years, but uh, here in modern times, it's best known for their high quality cotton. Check not only your thread count, but where it's made. If you see Benin, there's a pretty good chance that it is very high quality, super popular in Europe. As far as the footy, they've won the league title five different times, most recently 2019. They've never made it past the preliminary round of the African Champions League, though. Last year, they did finish in second place and thus they earned a position in the Confederation Cup. This year, stat wise, they have the top three offense working for them. They average about one and a third goals per match tied for number one on defense here in the championship round. They've only given up seven goals in 12 games and they've got tied for the best overall goal differential. These are independent of this being a home match for them. This is definitely, uh, they are the favorites going into this. In fact, they have won three straight matches with, uh, just right on cue for them as far as their stats, uh, four to one goal differential advantage. Now, uh, Dynamo Abome, that is a southern city, just over 100,000 people, probably. Don't have a too much about this team or this area, but uh, if you're into architecture andor history, the one thing that this place is famous for, you might be familiar with, is the earthen palaces of Dahomey, the kingdom uh, that. Uh, Believe this area was named for right up until the turn of the uh, 20th century, I want to say It was built by the Thon people and inhabited by uh, the kings there from 1600 to uh, roughly 1900 Last year, this team didn't even get into the championship round They only finished in 6th place out of the 8 in their group this year, obviously, doing uh, much better, although have they been lucky or have they been uh, gritty and good because their stats don't back up where they are in the table? They've uh, got a top-five offense, that's, you know, not bad for the championship round. The defense has been below average, to be perfectly honest. Goal differential, not much above average. Very much your underdogs to that end. They have lost two straight and a bit of an about face for them. The defense has been very good, uh, but their offense is absolutely dried up. So looking forward to seeing how this goes, and then looking forward to seeing if there are really two more matches or if, in fact, this is the end of the title chase in Benin, Africa. Match number three. This is our final Saturday match. And it is one that we nearly didn't do It's a bit of an odd duck, I believe, this year The NWSL Challenge Cup Final We almost didn't cover it Let me explain First of all, for newer fans NWSL, that is the uh, top club league here in the United States The Challenge Cup was started a couple years ago During the pandemic as a replacement for the regular season Not all of the teams even participated The ones that did got together in a geographic bubble Had a tournament for, I think it was three or four weeks And good on all of them for being. Being able to do something for the continuity for women's soccer in this country in the top flight, it felt like it was great. It was very popular, so much so, in fact, that they brought it up again last year and played it in a bubble, I believe, once again this year. It's essentially a preseason tournament. Now, the NWSL regular season has, in fact, started, but just barely and uh, this event, as I mentioned, is in its final. And that final is between North Carolina Courage and Washington Spirit. But to be honest, I don't want to go too much into the match because, again, it's essentially a preseason tournament. Uh, well, there's a, there's a limited number of teams in this league, and uh, we don't want to be redundant on the show. We're going to be covering them lots of different times, probably throughout the regular season. So I thought, if I had wanted to go to Kerry, North Carolina, for some re- reason this week, What else was going on down there? And here's what I would have done had the game not being played. I found something called the Fest in the West in Cary, North Carolina. It's happening all weekend, including on the game day. Overlaps right with it because the game, by the way, starts at 1 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, CBS, it is getting national coverage, by the way. Fest in the West. Probably not so much so on the national coverage or even regional coverage. It's a very strange thing to look at their logo and uh, some of the pictures and videos. It is very much supposed to be a Western-themed event. But I'm mentioning it basically just because I I found it very interesting that, I mean, Carrie's a decent-sized city, and I would hope that they would have the uh, budget to keep things fairly consistent. But they say the music, the main stage, and the welcome stage, this is the heartbeat of the event. Well, it's supposed to be Western, but their, their main two musical acts, I'm sure they're very good, are Misty Mayhem, who I can only uh, presume is a blues singer, because the one thing I learned about her is she was trained by Bo Diddley himself, quite a claim to fame. And then I believe the main, main act, if you will, is, I'm going to pronounce it Soleil, S-O-U, capital L-E, And the Super Band, they are a group that does uh, soul and dance music uh, a la James Brown. So I'm sure that they can very much cook, but I don't think we're going to see any cowboy hats or western swing out of either of these groups. Then if you go to the welcome stage, things even get a little bit stranger. More strange than talking about Cary, North Carolina's Fest in the West on a soccer show. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. You be the judge. Uh, a couple of the things I noticed on there, none were Western-themed. Two of the things were a Chinese drum group performance, and then something that is called bach bach. B-A-C-H, like the composer, to rock, as in rock and roll, which I can only assume is an orchestral performance where rather than doing uh, music from Star Wars or whatever it is that orchestras do anymore, uh, that they will actually be doing uh, rock and roll covers, which I think would be really cool, just not Western. Hopefully, the rest of the event will have sort of Western theme to keep everybody in Carrie from being completely confused. Match number, number four... Two. We start off Sunday in Spain, La Liga, the second highest rated league in all of Europe. As such, it maxes out on its international tournament berths. Four teams will get to go to the Champions League. They will send one additional team to the Europa League and one to the new tertiary Europa Conference League tournament. Only four matches left in the season, and this match is the Madrid Derby. Now, It is, uh, in terms of this year's standings, only really important for one club. But believe me, uh, even the one that is not as important for mathematically, they will be coming to play and then some. Number four, remember I said they only get four Champions League berths. Atletico Madrid barely hang on to that last last slot. They're playing host to number one, Real Madrid, who have already mathematically won the league title, as they are 15 points clear of the second-place side. As far as the uh, Atletico Madrid side, they lead Real Betis by three currently. So they're in the driver's seat, but nothing is guaranteed yet by any means for them. You can catch us at 3 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN Plus here stateside. Now, I won't go into too much depth into the uh, the history of the Derby, but the one thing that I like to look for is uh, obviously it's a geographic thing, but there's also uh, shifting political affiliations within a lot of the European countries and the clubs and who represents what people, whether it's the government and the royals or whether it's the working class. Basically, if you go uh, back to the 1970s in history, Atletico Madrid have been a club for the leftists. Now, that has been mitigated to some degree over time. But basically, the thing I want you to know is that more of the support for Atletico Madrid is in the south, which is more of the working class part of the city. Real Madrid have spent uh, probably the lion's share of their history, as is based on their name, Real meaning royal, being uh, favored by the government. Atletico Madrid, fun nicknames. Both teams have a couple, actually. Uh, the Mattress Makers, based on their stripes and a certain style of mattress that used to be made there. And the Indians. A couple of fun things. Now, I knew that they owned Atletico Ottawa in Canada, a pretty new club. I did not know that they owned Atletico San Luis in Luiga MX. That was surprising. Here's one that I'm hoping that even if you are a veteran footy fan that you may not know, did you know that they also have an academy in Lahore, Pakistan, I'm not sure they got a lot of Pakistani guys on their uh, roster yet, but who knows? Perhaps time will tell what kind of investment that ends up looking like. Footy Wise, 11 league titles to their credit, and they are your defending champions. They have never won the Champions League, but they've been runners-up twice. Last time was 2015-2016. The Europa League has been even more their bag, baby. 2017-18 was the last time they won one of their three titles for that. This year, statistically, the offense absolutely on fire Uh, for a big league, one of the top ones. It's not the highest scoring league in the world. They are rated third, scoring a fair bit over one and a half goals per match. Their defense, however, has really been uh, icky. Would that be the correct term to look for? They're the only team in the top eight that have given up more than 40 goals on the season. They're ranked number 11 on defense. Nevertheless, uh, they've still got tied for the fifth best overall goal differential. No reason to believe that they won't be fighting for that last Champions League spot to the very end. Key players to look for on the scoring leaderboard for them in the league is Angel Correa. Argentinian forward who's been here since 2015. Uh, He's a guy I really like because I'm not the tallest guy in the world. He is short, has a low center of gravity, great first touch, and then he is very, because he's so short, he is very hard to get the ball from. And he's got 21 national team caps for his home country since 2015. This all said, I think that the best player they have going is Yannick Carrasco. Their Belgium left midfielder, very balanced in his contributions on offense, five goals and five assists. Uh, I've always been a little bit, or not always, but this year, been a little bit surprised with what I've seen from him on the scoring side because his uh, strength stats-wise is really the dribbling, which I would think would set him up more to be an assist guy. But again, very well balanced. Uh, He started his career with Monaco over in France, but came uh, over to Spain somewhat quickly. In fact, this is his second time competing with Atletico Madrid. The weak link they have, I mentioned the defense, and it all starts at the very back. Jan Oblak, who just a year or two ago, the Slovenian goalkeeper, was uh, arguably the best in the world ge- going, certainly one of the very best. Uh, even he has said he's not sure what his problem quite is this year. A lot of folks have said that there has been a, a change in the defensive formation, some of the things that they're doing, and that might have been throwing him off all season. Teams current form, they are 1-1-1 and in their last three. And now getting the guard of honor, I've got like my arms up here. You can just imagine that here. On the audio podcasts are the Vikings, one of their interesting nicknames of Real Madrid. They are considered to be the number five ranked club in all of UEFA. 35 league titles to their credit and seven this century. So why not? In fact, they've won the Champions League title 13 times. Three of those times were in the mid-2010s, and they're about to play Liverpool in the final. So might be adding number 14, getting off that unlucky number. Last year, they finished second place in the league. This year, uh, number one offense. They were the only team that was scoring more than two goals per match and a top-two defense led to them having the number one overall goal differential. You can't talk Real Madrid without talking about the guy who might win the, Balut, uh, uh, the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> Almost really Americanized that for a moment. The Ballon d'Or uh, for the best player in the world. Uh, number one league scorer uh, by closest to twice as much as anybody else in the league. 26 goals, I believe, for Kareem Benzema, their French striker, 34 years old. And when you're that close to goal, you can still get it done, apparently. By the way, he's also tied for number one in the league in assists with 11, and that's why he's my favorite for that uh, big award. Started his career uh, with Lyon, which is uh, his hometown in France, but he's been here since 2009. National team, he has earned... Almost 100 caps for them Uh, Interesting bit of history for him That I had been uh, less aware of He was left off the 2010 World Cup squad After a a particular scandal That I won't get into It was somewhat blue And then from 2016 through 20 He was actually excluded for scandals, plural Once again, they're not all uh, person, noob, age friendly If you will And I have an idea that a couple of her friends Might listen to the show So I won't go into the particulars on that Let's just say this always hasn't been the nicest guy in the world. I wonder if that could hurt him when it comes to Ballon d'Or voting. Anyway, they've also got the second best goalkeeper in the league, according to uh, goals to games ratio. And that is uh, Thibaut Courtois. Uh, He is just a complete... Uh, guy, He's very, very tall, as goalkeepers tend to be, but he's also very solid of build, not quite as lanky as some of the players. It makes him very strong, yet he gets to the ground well, despite his size, and that's something he had to work on in his earlier years. Uh, he spent three years with Atletico Madrid, by the way, when he was on loan from Chelsea. So interesting that he's been with both of those sides, both in Madrid. Team's current form, they are 4-0-1 in their last five. Match number five. They have got a great two-horse race going over in Belgium, where the top flight is the first Division A. It is the number 13-ranked league in all of UEFA. That's down four from a year ago. In fact, that's down a fair bit more from where they were when I first started following football. I think they were probably behind uh, just Portugal in uh, the fifth or sixth slot when I first started following. In any case, they don't max out now on their uh, international Berths for their clubs but they still Do qualify one team Into the Champions League proper the group stage One other team the runner up will Have to start in the third qualifying round And then they'll also send two teams to the Europa Conference League Now they are two matches Into the playoff stages The one that they're in is called playoff One where they play a double round rob And just the top four teams and that Is I believe unique at least in Europe and maybe worldwide A lot of leagues Two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through the season, especially in Europe, will break into half, roughly. Uh, And they will have the top half, the championship round, and the bottom half, the relegation round. Belgium breaks their league up into three groups of four instead. And then to make things more dramatic, and we love drama here. They, they uh, have the points that the teams have earned in the regular season and then round up if it was an odd number. And however close the title race was before, it is suddenly a whole lot closer. That's the case here as we have number one, Union Saint Gilois. It looks like Geloy's, but I think I've got the uh, pronunciation correct. versus number B, Club Brugge. Now USG, let's call them that. They lead by three right now. Uh, Club Brugge, meanwhile, lead the other two teams in this playoff stage, Antwerp and Anderlecht, by seven. So they're not mathematically out of it, but you know, they're out of it. You know, they're enjoy your Europa Conference League, guys. Anyway, the recent uh, brief series between these two Club Brugge have a two-one and zero advantage, and it is that brief for a reason. If you're not fel- if you're not familiar with USG, don't feel bad. I had never heard of them until. Uh, You know, starting the podcast uh, this particular year Because USG, well, let's get into some of the geography and things first They're from an area called St. Gilles In the southern part of the Brussels metro This is a French-speaking area, Flemish-speaking area Very working class nearer to the city center And uh, they are big supporters of this particular club But they now have an interesting dichotomy of their fan base Because Brussels is now, of course, the European capital And you have got a lot of people in that field who have flocked to the southern half of the greater metro area, and they have largely made this their club as well. So very interesting, diverse fan base. Now, the reason you may not have heard of this team, last year they won Division B and got promoted. Okay, but a lot of teams go back and forth. Well, this was this team's first time back in the top flight in 48 Years, Which is really something because historically this is an excellent team They have 11 league titles to their credit But they were all won before World War II And now they are back in with a vengeance, particularly on offense They score over two goals per match They've, uh, They're also the only top team uh, that is conceding less than one goal per match So they are number one on top statistically all the way around Key players to look for, number one league scorer with 25, Dennis Undav, their German forward. Uh, Brighton and Hove Albion from the English Premier League, they picked up his rights in 2020, but he has no appearances for them, and I don't even know how long he was over there. They loaned him back to this club. Nevertheless, a move back to the Premier League could certainly be in his future. Same could be said for number six league assist man Dante Van Zier. German winger. He's been linked to uh, Brighton & Hove, uh, Hove Albion as well. This team absolutely on fire. They are unbeaten in their last nine. But if there's any team that's going to catch them, it would have to be Club Brugge. not just because of the standings now, but because they have been your uh, recent powerhouse by far. Uh, they play in uh, Bruges, which is the capital of Flanders in the northwest part of the country. Sixth biggest city in the country. Only about a quarter million. I didn't realize it was that small. But it is gorgeous. All the canals in particular make it so, as well as the architecture. It's called the Venice of the North. Uh, If you've never seen it, please, if you're a movie person, please check out the movie In Bruges with Colin Farrell. It's my favorite one that he has ever done, and you really get to see a lot of this particular city. Something fun that I learned about the Team and City is that the uh, Team and City mascot or emblem, if you will, is A bear. Now, that's not that unusual, but the legend relates. The reason for it is a legend relating to a particular count from a long time back having fought one in his youth. I I hope he won, but if that's true, I got a hard time seeing that. Nevertheless, I suppose having the animal that killed you being the homage for the entire city might be nice. I don't know. Hopefully it didn't happen. 17 league titles to their credit. These guys are the three-time defending champions. Uh, As far as international play, they won what is now the Europa League, but all the way back in 1977, uh, 1978. As far as uh, more recent years, here in the modern area, 2003 on, uh, they tend to get the Champions League group stage and then uh, lose, go down to the round of 32, the Europa League, and then they tend to fall out there. This year, domestically very well balanced. They've got a top three offense, top four defense. Top 10 scorer for them is a 21-year-old forward, Charles de Quetzalera, Man City fans. I'll bet you know his name because he has been linked to you. Something interesting I read about this guy is that he dropped out of law school when his career took off. Now, it's one thing to sort of eschew school of any kind in favor of sports, you know, when things are going your way as far as a professional track. But apparently he was actually in law school and playing football at the same time and finally figured out, well, I could probably go back to law school if I need to, but this football thing, uh, it seems to be working out pretty well, especially if he ends up at a place like Man City. And tied for second best in assists for the league is Noah Lang, winger 22 years old that has been linked to Arsenal and AC Milan over in Italy, Serie A. And then talk about your uh, irresistible force and in and immovable object. A uh, Club Bruja haven't lost in a while either. They are unbeaten in their last eight matches. Back, kiddies, back, I hear you. But this is my pretzels and peanut butter candy trail mix. Grocery store brand, not even that good anyway. Oh, I have misunderstood the plaintiff muling. They actually want a recap from last week's matches. Well, that's easy enough to do, and they won't get sick on it. At least here is to hoping. Match number one was a Friday match from the Premier League in Armenia, where we had number B Ararat of Armenia taking on number one Punic. Went to a 1 1 draw, no change to the table, very late in theirs season so things just remain dramatic uh match number B, saturday from major league soccer coming out on top was club De foot montreal two to one over guests atlanta united uh, they were ranked number six and four in the eastern conference respectively now montreal finds themselves in fourth place and atlanta still in a playoff position yes i know it's early in the season at number seven. Match number three from the USL Championship, getting a two-nil win was number one in the East Louisville City, extending their lead over, they were number B, then are number three, Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Match number four from UEFA's Champions League, the women's side of things, it was the second leg of the two-legged tie semifinal between the two French sides still alive, ESG and Lyon. Now, Lyon won the first leg three to two, guess what they got the second one as well a one-two win on the road and that means that they will face barcelona in the in the uh, final possible uh, change in power changing of the guard if you will leon has been the best team in europe for the ladies for a very very long time but barcelona are just looking like they're an adult playing with just shoulder with everybody they've faced lately. Match number five, Liga MX. We had number four Atlas taking on number B, T-Grace. The result was a 1-1 draw. Atlas moved up to number three. T-Grace, as we knew, stayed right in the second position as they now head into the playoffs. One playoffs note here. Uh, fourth place. There were a whole bunch of teams vying for that, and there ended up being a four way tie on points in the table. Club de America ended up getting that fourth place spot on goal differential tiebreaker, and that's important because that means that they get a bye into the quarterfinals for the league playoffs. Match number six from the Northern Ireland Premiership. Only the number 42 ranked league in UEFA, but we pay attention to the races everywhere. It was the very last match, and we had number three, Glentoran, taking on number B, Cliftonville with uh, Cliftonville having a shot at possibly getting up to number one. Now, they did what they needed to do. They won one to two. But number one, Linfield, won their last match as well, and so they win the league by one. Congratulations to them for earning the league's Champions League berth. Sunday, match number seven. Number seven, West Ham, took on number four, Arsenal, in the Premier League over in England. The result was an Arsenal road win, one to two. They've been on fire. Uh, West Ham, uh, Jared Bowen got a goal for them. Guy was said to look out for. No change in the table at that time after that day's matches. Then we skipped Monday, went on to Tuesday, where we had a representative for all the various FA Cups for the week. That spot got held by Liechtenstein. We did their FA Cup final, and the result was uh, FC Vaduz. No surprise. They play in the Swiss second league, are easily the best team within the duchy of uh, Liechtenstein. They beat USV Eschenmauren in 1-3. Match number nine, uh, Wednesday UEFA's Champions League sem- semi-final second leg of the two-legged tie Real Madrid took on man City man City had won a real cracker of a match four to three and the second one somehow was even better Real Madrid heading into the 90th minute. We're down on this match 1-0 and down total of two goals for the two-legged tie. They got goals at the 90th minute, 91st minute, and 95th minute to advance. Just stunning congratulations to them. They will be facing Liverpool in the final. Match number 10 from the CONCACAF Champions League. We had a final, and for the first time in over 20 years, we have a major league soccer side that actually managed to, won it, uh, to win it. The first leg that had taken place in Mexico had gone to a 2-2 draw. Seattle trounced their guests at home, Pumas to take that trophy. Congratulations, Sounders fans. And then our three bonus matches with explanations to come later. Our Route of the Week was a Wednesday match in Australia on the men's side. Last place, Perth Glory took on number one, Melbourne City. And, ooh, I don't know whose fault it is, yours or mine, but guess what? It wasn't a route. It was only 2-0. And it was the underdogs that won. Congratulations, Perth Glory, getting a very nice victory here at the end of your otherwise is a pretty meaningless season because you're still way in last place. At least there's no relegation. And then speaking of meaningless, the most meaningless match in the world was a Sunday match from Macau's Liga de Elite. Number seven, CFB Macau took on number six, Loonlock. Uh, that went appropriately to a 2-2 two, 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 two draw as a disproportionate number of uh, most meaningless matches tend to. Two. Coincidence? We think not. No change in the table. And then finally, your match of disappointed was from the second division over in Scotland the championship league. Number nine, Dunfermline. Athletic took on number 10, Queen of the South. And it was the last place, Queens of the South, getting a 1-2 win. Still no change in the table, but what is known for certain is that Dunfermline will now definitely finish in second to last place for the regular season and have to play a relegation playoff match to keep from going down into Whatever the heck they call it, the third division in Scottish football. And that concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's dive right back into the upcoming week's match mini previews with... Match number six. We remain on Sunday and in Europe for our sixth match, but we move to the far end of the Confederation to the island nation of Cyprus, where the top flight is the first division. It's ranked number 21 in UEFA, and that's actually down six from a year ago. I had uh, at one point known and then forgotten that they were ranked quite as high as they were. In fact, I wonder for where they are, the coefficients, and how that correlates to how good the league is, if this isn't uh, sort of the best one in all of Europe in that regard. And they've got a squirrely race going. Here's what's at stake. Uh, one Champions League berth, although that team, uh, they don't send anybody straight to the group stage. They'll get one team that has to start in the third qualifying round and then another one that has to start the second qualifying round and then the two uh, standard Europa Conference League berths. There's only two matches left in the season. Your matchup is number one, Apollon Limassol versus number B, Apoel Nicosia. Right now, uh, Limassol lead by one. And we will talk about them first. Uh, That city, Limassol, is in the south-central part of the country. About 200,000 people, and I'm willing to bet that they will sell out to Sirio Stadium. It holds over 13,000. In fact, it's shared by three different clubs. Fairly small country geographically, so no surprise there. They have won the league title three times, although not since 2005-2006. They finished second place in the league last year and got to go to the Europa Conference League. Got to start the second qualifying round and dropped out of that right away, losing. Now, they have been to the Europa League group stage four different times, which is pretty solid. Most recent of those, 2018-2019 season. The stats this year, they've got the number one offense going, a top four defense. But don't be fooled. All the teams near the top are pretty much the same, and they concede less than one goal per match. In fact, they've got the number one overall goal differential. Tied for number four in league scoring is uh, Bagali Dabo. Uh, He is a French striker, 33 years old. To give some perspective on what it's like from uh, from the stronger leagues to the weaker leagues, uh, before he played for some teams in Azerbaijan and then came here, he spent uh, the heart of his career with third-tier French leagues. I believe that's the champion at national there. So that's kind of how that pairs up if you want to draw a line. Now, here's what makes the race really squirrely. Apollo and so were running away with this thing pretty much the entire season, but they are, uh, six and one in their last seven. They have had, uh, they haven't won a match since February 10th. <laughs> they have had almost all draws in between and then just a, a, a two or maybe three losses sprinkled in and then making it even stranger. It's not like they had all, just their problems on one side of the ball for the first part of that stretch where they stopped winning. The problem was offense. Then they got the offense going, and their defense evaporated. So even getting to host, who knows what's going to happen for this one? I can't wait to find out. And now, Apoel uh, Nicosia, uh, international body called IFFHS, ranks this the 64th best team in UEFA. It's the most popular club in the country. Uh, they've got the, the vast majority of their fan base politically is right-wing supporters. Nicosia, by the way, is the capital. was the most recent time that this team has made the Champions League group stage. I think they've had the most international success of any of the teams in Cyprus and have managed that, I believe, a total of four times. That said, uh, they're making a comeback this year because last year they only finished in eighth place, despite the fact that they are the team with the most league titles in history, 28 of them. They even won seven straight in the 2010s but they haven't won one since the end of the 2018 season. Statistically, offense has been second best. Uh, the defense, again, things are fairly close overall, but uh, they're in the bottom half of the league as far as the ordinal ranking. So that is something to be aware of. For the scoring, tied for number three in the league is Georgie uh, Cavilli. Darn it, I practice that so many times. <laughs> Georgie Kavilitaya. From the Georgian Republic, he is a striker, six foot four veteran. I'll bet he played some uh, goalie in his youth. Uh, best club he's ever been for and uh, been with in Europe was uh, in the Belgium top flight. He was with Gent from two thousand eighteen through twenty one. And he has earned uh, 30 national team caps uh, for the Republic of Georgia. This team's current form, 2-1-0 in their last three, and yet they haven't been managing any clean sheets. I am so glad that this is a show that I don't go heavy on predictions on because while I know it's going to be exciting, I don't have a clue what is going to happen in this one. Match number seven. We remain on Sunday, and this is our time to celebrate all the FA Cups. We only do 10 main matches for this show every single week. And this time of year, there are way too many FA Cup finals for us to give anywhere near all of them their due. So first, I want to acknowledge uh, that the most important one going on in terms of uh, country footy size, if you will, is France The Coupe de France final is going on this week There's also FA Cups going on in Northern Ireland uh, Slovakia, Gibraltar In all of these, either a Europa League Or a Europa Conference League berth Is going to go to the winner And it is the FA Cup final going on this week In the Middle Eastern nation of uh, Qatar Where I believe traditionally The winner gets to go to their Champions League Now, what do those five all have in common? With those, it Either mathematically was a surety or it looked like a pretty sure bet that at least one team or potentially both teams were already guaranteed or probably going to be playing in some international tournament. Taking away a little bit from the stakes. So the one that stood out to us, and we love this because we've got a podcast we listen to a lot that covers football from this country in English and is the only one that we believe that does so. Football Kentron with a K. Thank you very much for all your contributions. We'll get to those momentarily. As we keep discussing, the FA Cup final in Armenia—sure, not the biggest country out there—and we've been there a couple times recently. But it's getting towards the very end of their season, and what makes this FA Cup unique for this particular week is neither of these teams will not mathematically out of it. Uh, they're not going to international competition realistically any other way but winning this thing. Your matchup is Noravank versus uh, Urartu. Now. Uh, Let's talk about Norbank first, the to host, and I believe they are getting to host it at their stadium. Uh, The guys at Football Kentron have told me that this is a very new team, and that's true. I checked it. It was uh, founded just two years ago. Uh, They have very few Armenian players, so I'm not sure that this is the most popular club out there. Uh, These guys told me they don't play particularly quality football, at least not yet, and are very much the Cinderella's of this event and the league. Uh, they play out of a city I don't know if it's pronounced Vake or Vock, V-A-Y-K I do know it's in the South-Southeast part of the country Town of maybe 6,000 uh, Really interesting As far as the naming It means Sorrows I mean can you imagine One who will live in like A place if it were to exist Called Morose, Oklahoma And I apologize to the citizens Of Morose, Oklahoma, if there actually is a town named that, uh, it's just very interesting to me that you would name a sa- uh, name a town that. But also kind of interesting and fun is back when our uh, when our now Armenian settlers first arrived in this area, it was uh, the town they established was called Soylen. So what makes this particularly surprising? Yes, get ready for the bad joke. Their uh, club colors seem to be blue, red, and white, but how you are originating you're in an area that was originally called Soylent and your main color is in green. Yeah, it's beyond me. I'm sure the management will add in a booing sound effect for the Soylent green reference. Anyway, just give you some geographic geographic perspective. uh, This town is about 90 miles South of Yerevan, which is the capital of the country. Goodness, that was bad. Uh, Last year they were in the second division Only finished in third place, but that was good enough to get promoted. Currently, looks like they're safe from relegation. They are currently at number seven in the league. Their offense and defense are all kind of right down to that area as well. Key players to look for. Top 10 league scorer, Sorjay Orlov. He is a Russian midfielder, 33-year-old veteran. And then top 10 in assists for the league is Dusan Kubrakovich, a Serbian. Uh, Their form, well, they've lost their last two uh, with two and five goal differential. So the defense started to slip a little bit. And now, Urartu, your favorites for this one, even if this is on the road instead of in a neutral site. They are currently ranked number six in the league. Current, uh, quite frankly, uh, the top four in that league are in a class of their own. I believe that Urartu are probably the best of all the rest. I think they're going to pass number five, Noah. They've got a top six offense, top four defense, and the goal differential is in the top five. Key man to look for top four in league scoring is Artur Maranyan. He is a forward, Ukrainian-born. Has three national team caps to his credit even. Team's current form, they are 0-1-2, 4-6 for their goal differential. So if the defense keeps slipping, maybe we'll get an interesting shootout for this one. Now, uh, the what the guys at... Football Kentron, and again, thank you very much, told me, is that uh, this is the team that probably everybody is going to be rooting for. Uh, It's an academy-based club, which means they're doing a lot for the youth in their area and in the country. Uh, They're a very philanthropic club. Uh, They've got a really strong professional approach, good all-around football philosophy. And last week, they came onto the field. Carrying puppies now I don't know If it was an adoption thing or if they just Wanted to look extra cute and earn Even more love for their supporters and if The latter is the case well by gosh That's just cheating but in any case Good luck to both for this FA Cup final And to all the teams playing in those Person Noob Sandwich
1: Review Hello this is Person Noob Sandwich Review Today we're going to be reviewing a sandwich that I made And I don't know why you're here but you're here
0: (laughs) Well I'm not sure why I'm here Either although I thought the in the past, uh, sometimes a uh, person noobs sandwich reviews with a B on the end has been me making you a sandwich to review. Sometimes you've made the sandwich. Wait, sometimes I make it for you to review. Sometimes you make it for me to review. This time you made it. Who's eating it and reviewing it? Me. Yeah, I don't know why I'm here then.
1: Mm.
0: Oh. <laughs> You're just going to eat your chips and ponder. All right. Do you want to tell them in advance? What's on your sandwich, or are you just going to take a bite and then tell them how you like it and then tell them what's on we it? We
1: got whole wheat bread. Wheat is sweet. We got che- We got Colby Jack cheese.
0: You shredded cheese.
1: We got sliced pickles.
0: Are they dill or sweet pickles? Are they sour, like regular pickles?
1: Mm, yeah. Okay. Okay. No, uh, And then we got mustard to glue the sandwich together.
0: Yep, straight yellow mustard, not Dijon, right? I know we have both. All right, she's taking a giant bite.
1: I can't taste anything. Hold on.
0: (laughs) Apparently, she only got crust on that one. She didn't think I had to put the ingredients near the edge. Mm
1: -mm -mm -mm. Good.
0: And we are singing, and we have a good so how likely would you be to recommend this sandwich to family and friends?
1: I give an eight and a half out of ten.
0: Wow. Anything else that you'd like to say about it?
1: It's a mix of um like bit bittery bittery slash plain she- cheese, very sweet and sour ish um pickles, and sweet mustard. I would recommend it, surprisingly.
0: Should I have a bite? Yes. Oh, all right. Hold on, let me go for the middle. There's nothing sweet about that pickle. I mean, I love dill pickles, but come on.
1: (laughs) He's dead, people.
0: Match number eight. All right, New Bites, if I may affectionately refer to you as such, you get Monday off, as is so often the case, to rest up from your gallivanting about Europe and get ready for some jet lag as we are heading back to our region, CONCACAF. And I almost kind of sort of lied. I had to be particular with my words. I said that that last match, number seven, uh, we were only doing one to represent all of the FA Cup finals, but that's finals. Because on Tuesday we start things off in Canada Where the Canadian Championship is just about to get going Match number 8 is the preliminary round match from there Or one of them between Guelph United and HFX Wanderers uh, The winner is going to get to uh, play Toronto FC from Major League Soccer The uh, Major League Soccer teams uh, get a bye into the second round So I did say finals before This is FA Cup but not a final So I'm only sort of cheating In any case, uh, this is a very young club. Uh, They were founded in 2020. They're basically in partnership with the University of Guelph. In fact, a lot of the players, but not all of them, um, are enrolled at the university. My hope is that they'll be able to sell out for this big match. Uh, The University of Guelph Alumni Stadium holds 8,500. Now, if you're not familiar with them, that's okay. They play out of a third-tier league called League uh, League One Ontario something interesting about the third tier bit of uh, the Canadian FA has established uh, certain conditions. that have to be met to be a tier one league, tier two league and tier three league. There are two or three tier three leagues, but no tier two leagues. Anyway, neither here nor there. They're in a third tier one means they're a semi-professional or just flat out amateur. Uh, the league one Ontario season is very young. Uh, this team is one, one and no early on last year. They qualified by winning the West division and then winning the playoffs. And they did so on offense. My goodness, 3.5 goals per match. That was the best in the Western conference of that particular league. And they had the top two defense as well. Uh, Number one league leading scorer then and still with the team is Jace Kostopoulos plays forward for them. He actually spent some time playing for Canadian premier league side Forge FC, which afforded him the opportunity to play in the CONCACAF league, a feeder tournament for the CONCACAF champions league. And he even scored in that. And I believe that made him the youngest person to ever score in the tournament. And then he went ahead and decided to go back to college because why not? Good man. And now, Uh, HFX, standing as you would guess for Halifax The Wanderers, a very young club as well, founded in 2018 Uh, Halifax is a city of maybe a half a million people over in Nova Scotia Canadian Premier League side, that is the Division I league over there I realize there are Canadian teams in Major League Soccer They're not counted in the Canadian FA since it's not a Canadian league by and large In any case, they're only four games into their current season They finished Uh, They're currently in third place. I believe they qualified for this event with a runner-up finish back in the 2020 season in the Canadian Premier League, the way things timed out. Uh, Last year, when they were doing so well, it was uh, largely by virtue of their offense. Not that it's an all-time great offense, but it is for this league. It's a very low-scoring league, but they were managing well over one and a half goals per match and also had a top-four defense to go with it. Uh, Number one scorer for them last year, still with the team, is Joel Morelli, a Brazilian forward, who, uh, if you're a Middlesbrough fan, I realize they're not English Premier League, that is championship, but nevertheless, yes, he didn't make any appearances for your side, but uh, Middlesbrough did have the rights to him the first three years of his career. Match number nine. More Tuesday FA Cup action, and this time we're bringing it on home. the U.S. Open Cup, our FA Cup, has reached its round of 32 This is important because The final eight Major League Soccer Teams are entering the fray at this point The eight best from last year's League standings, last round All the other Major League Soccer teams Had to come in, and then of course before That in preceding rounds, uh, the second Tier teams, third tier teams, regional Qualifying teams, you get the idea the, match, the matchup we find most intriguing Is Union Omaha Taking on Northern Colorado Hailstorm, don't know them that's okay. They're in the third tier of American soccer. They play in the USL League One. Now, they're not the only teams from this level that have made it this far. Four other teams from uh, leagues or multiple leagues in the third tier are still alive. But this is the only match that features two of them facing off. So somebody is going on to the round of 16 that's going to be carrying that tier three torch. But as is always, this is our tradition here late in the podcast I'm not going to give you any more about the match. Instead, it is time for us to learn something about the culture of the home team's geographic area. And most often for me, that means food. And thusly for you, it will mean food. Something that I discovered about Omaha, which I did not realize amongst many other inventions, some culinary, some not, is that this uh, Omaha is thought to be the home of The invention of the Reuben sandwich. Yeah, not my favorite all-time sandwich. I'll be honest, I'm not a sauerkraut guy, but it was still really interesting. Now, first, I have to make a nod to the two alternate alternate claims that are most prevalent out there that say it was invented at a New York City deli. Uh, One of them claims uh, that it was uh, the owner that invented it, and one of them said that it was one of the chefs. One was for an actress. The other was for the owner's son. The fact that they can't get their story straight really leads, and I think leads others to believe, that the uh, Omaha claim is the most likely one. We'll hold true to that. So here's how the story goes. A group called The Committee used to play backroom poker at what is now a preserved historic site, the Blackstone Hotel. It's not called that anymore, but the hotel still stands. One of the players, a guy who's known as uh, Ruben K, uh, full name I believe was Ruben uh, Kulikovsky, one day, he asked for a sandwich made out of corned beef and sauerkraut from the kitchen, and the owner's son decided to embellish it. He was the one that added the uh, added the dressing, added the Swiss cheese, and made it all its own. Now. Other interesting things that I found out about the sandwich. Usually, I go in a recipe, but you know how to make a, you know, corned beef sandwich. But there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of variations out there. A couple of fun ones I found, or not so fun. Some of them were icky. Uh, there is a walleye version, or you can get it with grouper, particularly in Florida. And sometimes they trade out the sauerkraut for coleslaw. I mean, it sounds to me like a fish sandwich then. But apparently, there's maybe they still add the dressing, I suppose. And then, and I'm not sure why it's called this. I may have to do a deep dive on my own, and you can too. There is a Detroit variation, which I'll be honest, I'm not a fan of, called the Dinty Moore sandwich. Now, I first started to think of Dinty Moore beef stew out of a can, but it doesn't have anything to do with that. Uh, They definitely substitute uh, coleslaw or just shredded lettuce and tomato in for the sauerkraut. Fine. But then they ditch the rye bread and do it on toasted white bread, occasionally wheat. I could settle for wheat, but white bread is the primary bread of a choice for this sandwich. Uh, that's just not good decision-making in, in my opinion. Um, and then oftentimes they don't even put the Swiss cheese on there, which I think is half the point. I find the dressing a little bit messy. I would rather leave the dressing off and have the cheese instead. The one thing it does have going for it is traditionally in Detroit, you will find this specifically made as a triple-decker sandwich. And now to move on from the Reuben, but not move too far, one other interesting side note. A lot of the times you will find not only on a a, uh, diner menu or whatever will you find the Reuben sandwiches, but you will also find the Rachel. And I just assumed for a long time, okay, that's cute. They came up with another... You know, name that ends with R, and they're going to do a slightly less uh, masculine, quote unquote, or hearty version of the sandwich. The Rachel, which you may or may not know, uh, doesn't always just put in turkey for the gun pre- corned beef. Sometimes pastram- pastrami gets used, and more traditionally, coleslaw for the sauerkraut. In some parts of the United States, actually, especially Michigan, uh, I don't know why, but they call this the Georgia Reuben or the California Reuben. And they'll even use barbecue sauce or French dressing instead of Russian dressing or even Thousand Island. But the thing that I found most interesting is where the name Rachel is thought to have come from. Most will hold that the most likely origination story for this is that it is from a song that dates all the way back to 1871. A conversation song between a guy and a girl called Reuben and Rachel. I will simply leave you on that fun note. Other than that, uh, we'll play you a little bit of the song. It's only got the one singer instead of a male and a female, but you'll get the idea. Ruben, I have long been thinking what a good world this might be if the men were all transported f-
1: And match number ten. We're done. Finally!
0: Now, we surely would have enjoyed getting the bookend of the show, You know, started with the Major League Soccer match, and then end the main portion with that U.S. Open Cup match. But we do 10 here, and there's a really important match going on on Thursday. In the Premier League, it is the North London Derby, just not to be ignored. Number five, the dreaded Tottenham Hotspur, taking on number four, Arsenal. A big deal in the English Premier League because... The top four teams all get Champions League bursts. So this match will have a lot to say about who's going to get that last one. And yes, they will both have matches, I believe, between uh, now the time I'm scouting and Thursday, the very tail end of our soccer week for this show. So everything I'm giving you uh, ranking and stats-wise is as of the moment, obviously, that I'm recording it. To that end, Arsenal. They lead Tottenham by two points in the table. As far as the overall series, wow, been going on forever. Arsenal have a 79-51-60 uh, and 60 record. They've just got to be sick of each other, especially given that their stadiums are now only four miles apart. Uh, you can watch this at 245 Eastern Time U.S. on Universo for the Spanish Language broadcast or on the USA Network for English. First, Tottenham Hotspur, something I new I learned about them. They have an affiliation, I don't know the exact nature of it, with Major League Soccer's San Jose Earthquakes, one of the absolute worst teams, that, if it weren't for FC Cincinnati, would probably be considered in recent years the worst team in all of Major League Soccer. Well, when you align with a team that is named for a historical guy like Harry Hotspur Percy, a twice-named traitor to two different kings, how they have a club named after this guy, I have no idea. You can only expect bad things to happen. That, by the way, is in very short why we don't care for Tottenham Hotspur here. In any case, uh, the team has managed two league titles, but not since 1960-61. Twice they've won the Europa League, or what is now the Europa League. You've got to go back to 1983-84 to find that success. Uh, Last year, they finished in seventh place in the league. That qualified them for the Europa Conference League, that new tertiary club tournament. They finished in third place in their group stage of four, so they didn't get to advance. I would like to make more fun of it. Uh, More more fun of them for that than I will, though, because it is important to recognize they did have to uh, forfeit one of those group stays mashes uh, because of a COVID outbreak on their team. There's a pretty good chance they would have finished in second and had a chance to at least move on had not that been the case. Anyway, this year, uh, they've got uh, the number four offense. They're near, near as good as the top three offensively. Those goal scoring machines are in a class all their own. but. Right now, Hotspur is the uh, best of the rest. We've also got a good defense, good for number overall. Uh, for, uh, good for the overall number four goal differential. I'm starting to stumble because what I want to say that I don't want to say is that no matter how this match turns out, um, unless Arsenal win in a round, I really think just looking at the numbers, that Tottenham probably really are going to be the team that finishes it out. i got to take a brush to my tongue for even having said that. Key men to look for: Number B League leading scorer Hyung Min Son from South Korea, winger. I did not know this about him until recently. He did not come up with this club. He came up after some time, of course, back in Seoul with Hamburger SV over in Germany. He's made almost 100 national team caps for his home country since 2010. And something else he did with slash for them is uh, went through basic military training. He didn't have to go any further than that. That's required of basically all the uh, young qualified males over there. But he still had to go through the basic, and he actually finished in the top five in his group of over 150 people. Just an all-around, you know, great athlete, I suppose you would say. Harry Kane, normally a guy that is one of their leaders in goals, and might be on the team this year, but not in the league. But he is in the top ten in assists, interestingly. And then finally, I think this guy is going to be key to the match. Tied for number three in clean sheets uh, in the league is uh, Hugo Lloris, their French. 35-year-old goalkeeper. He's got elite reflexes, but he tends to be prone to decisions. He's good with his feet but he physically, but he makes bad decisions. He's a poor distributor of the ball sometimes. And if they can make a mistake against Arsenal, even at home, that could lead to a, a less than desirable result for them, which – Course, I am keeping my fingers crossed for. And now the Gunners of Arsenal—they play out of the uh, the north central suburb of uh, Islington, uh, pretty near central London. They last made the Champions League in 2016-17, made the round of 16. Uh, their last four international appearances were all in the Europa League. Uh, they finished as runners up in 2018-19. They've won 13 league titles you got to go back to 2003, 2004 To find the last time Last year they didn't go anywhere internationally They finished in 8th place in the league So it's good to see them uh, back competing For a CL berth uh, One of the interesting things about them From a numbers standpoint Is they have the fewest draws Of anybody on the season I don't know if that's uh, just sort of Statistical happenstance Or if that has something to do with the style of play But they only have 3 draws on the entire season I think there are, there are 1 or 2 teams They have like a dozen or something like that So just very interesting numbers-wise More numbers, nothing really surprising for offense on defense They're top six on both On the scoring leaderboard, one of my favorite players Bukayo Saka, just 20 years old Uh, Plays winger for them Something new, I always try to Even if it's somebody I've covered before And I've talked about him recently I try to find something new to add In uh, his local language from back home uh, In, uh, well, he let me back up. He is English, but I know that he is, uh, his parents are Nigerian. His lineage goes there. And his name, Bukayo, comes from the Yoruba language from down there, which means adds to happiness. Pretty cool. Much better than that uh, town in Armenia that was named after sorrows, anyway. Um, let's see. As far as assists, they've got a guy on the leaderboard, Alexander Lacazette from France, They're forward. And something new I learned about him is that before he was a winger, He was a striker. So, this is a guy who plays with some flexibility. Uh, As far as the team's current form, they have won three straight matches. Interestingly, they've all been big ones. Uh, They beat Chelsea, Manchester United, and West Ham. And they have been on a losing streak before that against much weaker competition. And also, one fun side note, this could be key for them as well if it can continue. They have scored scored three goals their last two matches out of guys who traditionally play on the back line, not guys who are normally getting the goals. Bring forth the bonus matches! At the beginning of every single week on Twitter Where you can find me as Soccer Noob USA I put up polls with the qualifying candidate matches For each of these very unique mini previews You do the voting The content gets made It is absolutely dreamy The first one is called the Route, route, route,
1: route Of, 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 of The week, 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 week
0: And it is a first-versus-last-place matchup, as you would guess from the name. And the one that you have selected, listeners, is from Germany. The women's side of things, the Frauenbundesliga, top flight for the gals, where one team will go to the Champions League proper, two teams will have to start in the Champions League qualifying round, and then on the other end of the spectrum, two teams will get relegated down a division perhaps never to return. Very dramatic. Only two matches left in this particular league season. Your matchup, number 12 FC, Carl Zeiss Jena, J-E-N-A, taking on World Powerhouse, number one VFL Wolfsburg. We're simply going to call them Jena. Jena trailed number 10, SGS Essen by nine. That means with two matches to go, they are already mathematically relegated. Meanwhile, Wolfsburg, they're on top of the league and lead Bayern Munich by four. As you would imagine in the recent series between these two, Wolfsburg have won all the matches, 5-0-0, perfect record. We'll talk about Jena first, and soon they will not be around for us to talk about next year. Jena, it's in the east-east-central part of the country in the state of Thuringia. Uh, Together with two other cities that is in very close proximity with uh, The trio of them have a population of about a half a million If you know anything about this area It would only be one thing other, other than the not so good club um, It is famous for high tech precision industry Particularly in the optical field In fact that name Carl Zeiss as part of the club name He was a famous optician and businessman Going all the way back to the 19th century now, the club is the club might be older, but the women's division is not all that old. They started playing women's ball in 2016-17. They were down in the regional leagues, as was USV Jena. The two of them decided to merge in 2020 and keep the former's name, and now they are up here at the top flight for the moment. Uh, they play at Ernst. Abbey Sportfeld, which holds almost 13,000 people. i got a feeling they're not pulling quite that many. Athletics, I have a feeling. Track and field pull more. Uh, in fact, I don't know if it's still the record or not, but I know that there was a world record javelin throw done there back all the way in 1996. So just a little fun fact. Uh, last year, this team was in the second Bundesliga, and they won and so got promoted. This year, they've had a really rough time of it for their troubles last year. one, 2-17 and 17 with an 8-8 and 75-goal differential. Uh, That's just got to be a tough way to spend an athletic season, even though I'm sure they were excited to get promoted. Their form, they have lost six straight. They haven't even scored in their last three. Uh, The one high note on the season, uh, they, they did get the one win, and it was a road win, so that's kind of a big deal. And now Wolfsburg, the She-Wolves They have six league titles all in the 2010s Two Champions League titles And three times they have finished runner-up Probably all of them to Lyon over in France Last year they finished in second place Bayern Munich has joined them as a uh, top-flight world-class league now Domestically this year They've got the second-best offense in the league, scoring over three goals per match, and the number one defense having conceded only 14 in their 20 matches. Uh, top 10 score, got to look for, is Tabia Wasmuth forward, 17 national caps to her credit as well. And good to know that their form, uh, they're not likely to slip up against Jena because they've still got something on the line with Munich so close. They haven't lost a league match going all the way back to October 17th. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. could. You're so boring. (laughs) Right smack dab in the middle of some league's standings are those who make up the most meaningless match in the world. Two teams that, quite frankly, no other podcast out there is probably going to spotlight. So how would we know anything about them? For example, you have voted for a Saturday match this week from Trinidad and Tobago. This is called the, Ascensi- uh, the Ascension Invitational Tournament. Now, normally the competition in this country is called the TNT Pro League. and In fact, the last time there was any sort of domestic national competition was 2019-2020's TNT Pro League. I'm sure that the lapse has been due to COVID. The Ascension Invitational Tournament, it's not an FA Cup in the sense that it's bracketed or anything like that. They're doing a double round robin between a whole mess of teams. So I'm not really sure why they're calling it something different this year. In any event, they are just six matches into the double round robin between all these teams. There doesn't appear to be any relegation from the event this year. That would be one probably subtle difference between this and the usual TNT Pro League. Uh, in the past, the top two teams from this event have gotten to go on to the Caribbean Club Championship, which is a tournament for clubs from basically the four professional leagues within the Caribbean sub-region of CONCACAF. I can only assume they're going to send the champion or champions to the next CONCACAF league. That whole format is changing. In any event, these two teams probably don't have to worry about where the champion might be going. We're going to talk about number four, Canupia, Versus number five, Deportivo PF. That is P as in Paul, F as in Frank, or Point Fortin. Actually, I guess I should be more specific. Why not? Here's how the table looks. Right now, Canupia lead DPF by four. Canupia trail number one, La Horquetta Rangers by just four. So they're not completely out of it by any means. The meaningless is only positional as of right now. DPF, meanwhile, they lead number 10, Maruga, by 12 points. Maruga doesn't have a win or a draw yet on the brief season so far. Canupia, fun club. That comes from the Spanish word Conupia with a C-O instead of a C-U. That means canopy. I can only assume that this refers to... Uh, The trees and fauna of the region Uh, It is also the name of the town from which this team hails It is in the east central part of the country About 9,000 people there When they last played in that 2019-20 season They finished finished in last place So, hey, now they're in the most meaningless match But that's a big promotion from where they would have been uh, here's how their stats look after a half dozen game. They've got the uh, number four offense going, scoring over two goals per match. The number five defense uh, letting in well over one and a half goals per match. Good for the overall number four goal differential. So what does this tell us, New Bites, about what's going on in this league? Um They're not playing a lot of defense them or anybody else (laughs) as far as this team's current form. Well, they just lost to number three defense force nil five and that snapped for them a two match winning streak. Meanwhile, Deportivo Point Fortin, DPF. Uh, Point Fortin is a town of uh, maybe 25,000, small city, in the southwest part of the country. A former oil boom town, I think is probably suffering a little bit more economically than it was uh, back just a few decades ago. Uh, Currently, the team is tied for number six on offense out of the ten teams. They've got the third best defense. Their forum, they are 2-0-1 in their last three, and they just beat Central Soccer World, which is in the bottom half of the table, 3-0. Now, that's not a whole lot, but hey, it's a little bit more than you knew before. Wow, I almost had a melody there, but not quite. It doesn't mean anything, just like the match. And now we reach the true end of our podcast road, where we do not celebrate good teams, but those on the other end of the spectrum. Welcome to the fresh hell that is the match of... disappointment. Oh, and fresh hell is probably put it, putting it too strongly. Nevertheless, the Herculean scorn we get from Kevin Sorbo there, not out of place. The match of Disappointed, one between the bottom two teams from some league in the world that you have voted on, is a Saturday match from the Syrian Premier League. Yes, we actually got out of the European and the uh, European and the cocky calf regions One last time, maybe only for the second time this show Uh, It's that they're in their very last match of the season. And interestingly, the two sources that I primarily use for the basic starter information are very much in disagreement. One says that the bottom two are going to be relegated, kicked out, perhaps never to be heard from again. And another says that the bottom four teams are all going to be relegated, not even a relegation playoff, just gone. Either way, these two teams are exactly that. G O N E. Say hello to number 14, uh, Efren. And they are taking on and playing host to number 13, uh, Nawa Air. Nawa Air. I didn't even bother to look up the correct pronunciations because these two teams are so disappointing. Yeah, I love me my suffixes. I just like to tack them on. Anyway, taking a glance at the table uh, Naware currently lead Efren by 10 Heading into, again, this last match And then where they trailed number 12 the, the first possible position of safety uh, A horgala by 13 points These two teams have been by far and away the worst Perhaps anywhere in the Middle East, quite frankly They've been out of it for months Nevertheless, we will talk about Efren first while we can uh, Sometimes we like to poke extensive fun of these particular clubs. And sometimes it's just more part of our, say, learning journey. And we're going to go the latter part for this, because you don't like to kick a team while it's necessarily down. Uh, well, we usually like to, but sometimes there are mitigating circumstances. Uh, Efren is a Kurdish club that had to move to the capital city of Aleppo because of the 2018 Turkish invasion, so they're nomads now Uh, They've been playing in Aleppo at the 7 April Stadium Which is home to, uh, I believe, five other Division uh, II clubs uh, Where they will be now there uh, shortly themselves in Division II uh, they just got promoted up last year, and this is their third time in the top flight. They've never lasted they've always been relegated immediately uh this year. they haven't even managed a single win, just putrid oh four and twenty one They've had the worst offense by a little bit, and the worst uh worst offense I should say and the worst defense by loads, giving up about two and a half goals per match. Trying to find something positive about them. They do have a guy amazingly on the leaderboard. He must be doing virtually all their scoring, Uh, Ahmad Hamo. He's a midfielder with eight goals on the air. I think he must be a fairly young guy because this is just his fourth pro season as far as I can find. Team's current form, they have lost 12 straight. In fact, their last point earned was when they got a draw at... All nowhere, And so now they have a chance to tack on a little bit more Or is it nowhere that will come for just a modicum of revenge The Panthers They play out of Hama Which is maybe the number four sized city in the country Maybe a million, uh, million people there at most I would guess It's in the west central part geographically Now as happens with a lot of locations in the Middle East It's easy to find a lot of things to say that the city is notable for That aren't always the most pleasant There's just a lot of history there Try to find something good, a little less disappointing. One thing that this city is very famous for are the 17 norias from around the city. There used to be a lot more, but many were all lost, I believe, in one giant fire many years ago. Norias, by the way, if you're not familiar, and I wasn't, I had to re-familiarize myself, are giant basically water wheels. They would call them water scoops that are used to lift up water and then uh, probably straight into aqueducts and the various uh, somewhat regionally famous gardens around the city, all get watered in this particular way So, kind of nice uh, This team, just like Efren, was promoted last year They've managed two wins on the season Their stats are the second worst Across the board, offense, defense Team leading scorer He's managed six in the back of the net Al Gosun. He's an attacker, 30 years old He spent his entire career here in Syria Team's current form, well they just got a draw versus number six, uh, Jabla, J-A-B-L-E-H, might be Jabla, either way, kind of fun to say. But that's ma- that snapped a three-match losing streak. So, as you would guess, it's not like this team has been on fire. But who knows? Wow, if they could uh, if they could get a win here to close out their season with two positive results in a row, that would really be something. But even though we have taken it somewhat easy on our teams, we will not celebrate them with applause and wish them good luck like we would other fine folks of the footy world, but rather we will shoo them away in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. them away. Hey, boo. Boo. And that'll put a bow on episode 82 of Soccer Noob Rock in America. Thank you very much to my daughter and co-host Person Noob. Love you very much. Thank you so much for everything you contribute. Also, thank you to the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To Dan, the Interno Inferno, for everything he brings to the table, all of his creative efforts. Noob Stradamus, our 35-year-old 100 seer, had the week off this week because, amongst other things, he was preparing to do some stuff for DemiCon, uh, that is one of the... uh, Uh, Gaming and comic book and everything that's Wrapped up in all that conventions taking Place in Des Moines, Iowa If you have any chance uh, Over the weekend that this show covers And you're in the Des Moines area uh, Take a look for him, he's doing stuff on uh, He's leading panels on game design And one on interactive Fiction, super proud of him for getting Involved in all that, and Thank you to you, the listener, for sticking It out and making it through one weird Wild woolly episode, but hey Once you hear the theme song, you probably knew what you were getting into, right? Right. Again, thank you to all. We hope to catch you again in a few days. Until then, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.